hour of the Fan Morning Show on a baby Friday. Vibes are high. Blue Jays concluding their series tonight against Houston Astros, 7 p.m. Jose Barrios and Framber Valdez on the mound. Another great pitching matchup. We've had a couple good ones this week. One not so good, but let's move past that. Looking to get things going before a big weekend here again at the ballpark. And you've got tonight uh, some Stanley Cup hockey as well. you got the Canadian Open right now. And I must say, my picks are looking good. Rory's one under. Matt Fitzpatrick also one under. Those are my two guys that we've picked so far. It's early. They're three like two holes, so. I mean, get excited. Canadian Open's on. It's on. Rory McIlroy's under par. Exciting things. <laughs> things are going smoothly for me so far. We're hitting the course um, after the show. Do a little golf ourselves but let's round out our baby friday with a little blue jays this insider brought to you by don valley north lexus where you can expect excellence online and in the showroom visit donvalleynorthlexus.com it's julia kreutz blue jays reporter at mob.com julia how's it going today it's going all right how are you guys well you must be well rested considering that game was two hours and three minutes long and you could just get to bed right after and have sweet dreams of uh, nice efficient pitching <laughs> I should I should probably be more well rested than Chris Bassett <laughs> with a newborn at home. That's um, right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's pitching like he's got another baby on the way. Last night he was quick, he was efficient. <laughs> uh, he's a joy to watch. Uh, what do you make of just uh, the way he's just a clean, clean uh, force on the mound there? The dog, as they're calling him, he's got the dog in him. <laughs> yeah, that was uh, probably the best case scenario for the Blue Jays when they signed Chris Bassett. That sort of reliability and efficiency on the mound. He's never going to be the guy that strikes out 13 like Kevin Gosman did uh, earlier this week, but he is a guy that can come out there and, uh, and really eat those innings and be efficient, create some soft contact there and uh, limit damage. That's what we're seeing from Chris Bassett. So, so different, right? From Gosman uh, as they pitch in back-to-back days, it's, it's very interesting to see that contrast but it works for both of them, and they're both giving with the Blue Jays exactly what they need right now, especially with Alec Manoa away. A big question mark in the rotation right now. These guys have never been more important. So to see Chris Bassett do that and then hand the ball over to Jordan Romano, who looks very much like Jordan Romano right now, uh, that's got to be a good feeling uh, for, that, uh, for, for John Schneider and for the Blue Jays front office as well. So you can't fake six, seven, eight innings, uh, but Gosman and Bassett have had, more often than not, these long outings after Alec Manoa has given them very short outings. So will you even give, like, a small fraction of their length being out of necessity or maybe understanding the situation, just being pros, understanding, hey, if we don't log some innings here... Uh, you know, our bullpen's in trouble and our team is going to suffer for it. I mean, again, it's performance mainly, but as a part of this, you know, this length out of necessity, given the situation that Manoa had put this team in over and over again. Yeah, these guys have been around long enough to understand uh, the the context and understand what the assignment is right now. They both, they're tied for the lead in innings in MLB right now with 82 pitched in the season. So that tells you that, they are aware, right? They are aware of what's needed of them and, uh, and, and what's happening around them as well as on the mound. That said, if they're pitching efficiently, that's props to them, right? It means that there has been some good preparation 
in the offseason that has allowed them to get here, and it also means that their stuff is just playing right now. Uh, we saw it with the splitter uh, with Gosman uh, a couple of nights ago, and, and we saw it on full display with Bassett's full eight-pitch repertoire uh, yesterday. So these are pretty fun outings to watch, and, uh, and they certainly bring that stability that is necessary for the rotation right now. Uh, it, it is a little bit inherent of who these guys is, but for sure that there's got to be a sense of understanding of like, okay, I need to help out the bullpen. We really don't know what's coming in that number five spot right now. So how can we uh, make this work for everybody? So Chris Bassett pitches eight innings, one short of a complete game, which would have been his second of the season. Um, luckily, well, not luckily, but deservingly so, Jordan Romano gets the save, and I think we'd be having a different tone this morning if he hadn't. Uh, but after only 81 pitches and being pulled, was there a part of you that wanted him to get uh, that final inning to get that big uh, that big full game um, opportunity once again this year? You know, as a fan, yes, <laughs> I, I sure did. Because, you know, looking at the stats last year, if I'm not mistaken, no pitcher got two complete games, mm-hmm. <laughs> which is uh, which is pretty interesting, right? It's, it's the way that the game is going. Uh, we understand that there's analytics involved. There's also a sense of protecting the pitcher, right, and, and making sure that there's longevity there. Uh, we know that sometimes when there's a huge spike in innings from a season to another, uh, that pitcher is going to suffer uh, the season, uh, the, the next season, and that might as well be something that relates to what Alec Manoa is going through right now. So there's analytics involved, and there's also that sense of protecting the, the physical part uh, of the pitcher, knowing that these guys, you know, the, the, the batting lineup, the Houston Astros are a very, very good hitting team, knowing that they had seen Chris Bassett a little bit uh, already in that outing, it, it does make sense. Uh, mm-hmm. That said, it would have been a pretty cool story. Now, decisions are always going to be, you know, you're always going to look at them with the gift of hindsight. <laughs> this worked. Had Bassett stayed and, uh, and and not gotten the win, again, this would have been a completely different conversation. It's so difficult to uh, analyze things that didn't happen, right? It, it, it's um, That's the beauty of baseball. But it, it sure looks on paper, like Bassett could have returned, uh, and and it would have been a pretty cool narrative in my mind. And if Kevin Kiermeyer hadn't made that catch to to help out Jordan Romano with the save, <laughs> then we'd also be having a different tune this morning. But you me- you mentioned you know Bassett a, a big level of confidence uh, tied with Kevin Gosman for the most innings as well. But we got to get to some Kevin Gosman praise as well because. I don't know why he's not getting the MLB.com Cy Young rankings list. I mean, I saw the Blue Jays respond with a funny tweet, but it's seriously like I don't know um, how much more you can ask from Kevin Gosman. He's been steady. He's been lights out. He has been the ace of this team. Um, you just uh, just maybe the Blue Jays bias up here and they're not looking up north of the border. What's Kevin Gosman got to do to get on that list? <laughs> Yeah, I'm. Uh, I'm always one to sort of question that uh, the idea that there is a bias against Toronto. I, I don't think that that's the case, but it is weird that Kevin Gosman is not in that conversation right now. I don't know exactly why he isn't. Um, you know, aside from one pretty bad inning in Houston in April, he has pitched like an absolute ace this season. He leads the the AL in strikeouts. He is very close to the top in MLB for strikeouts as well. 
and he's pitching deep into games, mm-hmm. right? Which is something that uh, doesn't always happen. You don't always get seven innings from a guy that's striking out 13 in a game because it takes a lot of pitches to strike guys out. So for him to also be a workhorse while being uh, while missing that many bats, it's uh, it's really telling. And again, a stabilizing presence when the Blue Jays need it. Uh, the narrative aspect of this is very important. He has been the stopper. He has been who the Blue Jays need him to be, one of the most reliable guys in the league right now. And I do think it's a matter of time. I do think that we're going to see his name start to pop up in in these conversations. And if the Blue Jays get close to the postseason, it sure looks like they're making up some ground right now in the AL East then at the end of the season, we should certainly see Gosman's name in that conversation. Talking to Julia Croyd's Blue Jays reporter at MLB.com. So tonight we see Jose Barrios, who has obviously started to really round into form in terms of the big contract the Blue Jays handed to him. He's looking like the Jose Barrios that the fans wanted. And I assume you're expecting the same thing from him tonight. Uh, What has been the biggest point of confidence with how Barrios has bounced back this season compared to last? Yeah, it's, it's been really, really interesting to watch. I will keep a close eye tonight. Uh, just because, you know, how how do guys like Barrios and Kikuchi work still in the midst of that bounce back? Barrios has certainly found his footing. Kikuchi is still working towards that. With this added element of pressure, of knowing that, that more is needed from you, how do these guys perform? Now, I don't expect that to be a problem for Barrios or for Kikuchi, to be honest, but... The thing for me that I've seen is just how good the off-speed stuff has been for Barrios. The fastball is moving and the velocity is there for sure, but that changeup has been so good of late. Uh, the breaking ball is actually breaking, which was something that we didn't necessarily see all that often last season. That to me has been the biggest thing. There's a level of aspect of uh, there's a level of confidence that comes with that, and that was something that Pete Walker, Blue Jays pitching coach, did mention in spring training. That was important for Barrios was to reacquire that confidence on the mound. But when you look physically at what he's been able to do, and in the way that he's been able to throw his changeup and his breaking ball and really miss those bats and, and, and puzzle hitters in the process, that has been the biggest difference for me from last year to this year. Uh, Julia, we made a promise yesterday that we wouldn't talk about Alec Manoa for a little bit, but here I am breaking that promise because I feel like it's unavoidable at least for the end of this week or until the end of this week. Um what did you make, I guess, just of the Florida complex move? It's I don't know why I can't say that. It's, it just sounds weird coming out of my uh, mouth. Yeah. But the Florida complex league is where he's going. <laughs> and uh, I'm wondering what you make of it. Yeah, it was, um, it was a whirlwind. I don't think that there's you know a, a, another word that's better to describe everything that we have seen of late. It, it seemed like maybe a couple of starts ago, something like this, uh, started to pop up, but it seemed a little foreign. No one was really sure that that was actually an option. And then the way that things sort of snowballed to begin June, the Blue Jays really didn't have much of a choice, right? That they had to make a decision on Alec Manoa. I never thought that this was something that he could just 
figure out for himself in AAA. If a move was going to happen like this, it had to be in a way where they could actually explore what's going on. And the Florida Complex League allows them to do that because they have the pitching lab in Dunedin. Uh, we know that Manoa is not even going to pitch in games right away. So this is really a chance for Toronto to take a look at Manoa, see what's going on, and understand that he didn't get a lot of time in the minor leagues, right? He lost the the 2020 season, as many minor leaguers did, because of COVID-19. He pitched, if I'm not mistaken, around 35 innings in the the minors before he got called up, which means that the Blue Jays didn't really get that in-depth look at a prospect that they usually get. So what does that do for Manoa in the long term? Well, it's harder to develop him. It's harder to know how he's going to bounce from one season to the other. Let's not forget that he had a huge spike in innings uh, in innings pitched total last season compared to the year before. He had never pitched so much. What does that do to him physically? And then coming in to spring training this year, he didn't pitch as much as other guys did. Uh, in Florida. So all of that adds up. What the Blue Jays are doing right now is sort of making up for lost time when it comes to, you know, the lost 2020 season, the fact that he was dominating in AAA and he came up and he dominated in the majors too. Uh, This is all about gathering information and making sure that in the long term, Manoa is set up for success. So clearly Manoa still has the support of his teammates. Uh, it was very, very evident that they're all in his corner, that he's loved, and they want it to see him back as soon as possible. But I wonder if this, like, relieves a bit of a weight on the entire team's shoulders. Like, uh, I think what Ailish and I are going golfing later. I think when I'm struggling out there, it affects other people, right? Like, if someone's yeah, sulking around, you know, not, well, yeah, Ailish is ultra competitive and kind of, <laughs> frankly, scary. But, like, when something is going wrong, when people are, you know, in competition together and one person is really, really struggling, it can affect others. So do you think this will have a benefit on the rest of the team that they can kind of at least separate themselves from this storyline, albeit temporarily? Yeah, that's that's a good question. And I think that that's something that we should keep an eye on because I don't know. Part of me thinks, yes, uh, that's very much a possibility. But part of me thinks that, uh, you know, it's like John Schneider said in that first game without Manoa, we miss his energy in the dugout. He's a very vivacious personality out there, right? He is someone who adds a level of comfortability and, and a level of excitement to the game. And now we don't have that around. So, yes, on the one side, everyone involved gets a chance to sort of breathe easy and and carry on with their work. But on the other side, Manoa is a huge part of this team, not just for what he does on the mound, good or bad, because he is such a valued teammate and, 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 and a valued person in that clubhouse. So, you know, I'm sure that day to day, Guys are going to adjust. Guys are going to get accustomed to this one way or another. But when Manoa is back, in whatever way or whenever that is, it will be a, a welcome return as well. 
Julia Croyd, uh, Blue Jays reporter, MLB.com is on the line with us right now. So Brandon Belt has had one hell of a month, um, jokingly saying, oh, MVP, MVP, if no one says it about myself, then who will? But he's kind of manifesting it, it seems. He's become uh, the second best uh, OPS in the in the month in the AL during this span, uh, over 1,000. He's just been a pretty consistent force, and he seems to be having a really great time doing it. So how has Brandon Belt become this month's MVP in your mind? Yeah, it's, it's interesting, too, because he's hitting the ball hard, right? Yesterday's mm-hmm. home run was uh, was uh, over 100 miles per hour off the bat, and, and, and that really tells you something. He's 35, right? <laughs> this is not necessarily something that you would expect from Branton Bell, but it's really telling that he still has that in him. And the thing is, is that he knows exactly who he is. If you look at his home runs, a couple of them went to center field, but he none of them went off of, right? He, you know, he knows what he's good at. So he's pulling the ball. He is um, he's sticking to what he's good at. He understands that he's a guy that can make contact, and that's what he's looking for. And it just happens to, to come at, at a very strong rate right now. I believe that Belt, what we saw from him early on, was just him adjusting to being on a different team for the first time in the majors, to being in a different league. He spent all his career in the NL, and all of a sudden he was facing different pitchers and all of that. So we saw the adjustment period from Belt. The fact is that this is a two-time World Series champion, uh, a veteran guy who knows exactly what he's good at and who knows exactly how to help a lineup. So this, to me, was probably one of the most at the time, underrated additions uh, in the offseason for the Blue Jays, and it's paying off so, so much here. Uh, Julie, we were talking in the 6 a.m. hour about Bo Bichette, and I mentioned that he, uh, like, we're at the point now where I want to know what others are saying about Bo Bichette. I want to know if it's like the same dread that when Aaron Judge steps up to the plate, we're feeling as Blue Jays fans watching a Blue Jays broadcast. Like, are the Astros feeling the same thing when Bo Bichette is coming up to the plate? So I'll ask you, what are others saying about Bo Bichette, who -hmm. continues his torrid run for the Blue Jays? Yeah, they probably are. <laughs> I will say that it's been um, it's been fascinating to watch. This is certainly Bo Bichette at his best. And the thing is, is that Bichette has embraced who he is. Right? When you look at say his baseball savant page, he's still chasing a lot. His uh, his walk rate is um, not good. But that's who he is. Uh, he is a guy that has the potential of leading the league in hits, as he did in the past two seasons, for many more seasons to come. And as he also starts to sort of unlock that power and understand, hey, what I'm good at is shooting line drives all over the field. And many of them are going to leave the ballpark, but that's what I can do, and that's how I can help the team. Really embracing that and using that um, athletic swing to his favor to get to that understanding that he is speedy on the bases, understanding that this is a team that doesn't necessarily need him to be the OBP king because they have guys like Alejandro Kirk, like Kevin Kiermeyer, like Brandon Belt, who can get on base, then he can just be who he is and swing with abandon. That's fine, right? If that's how he's seeing success, that should go on. So knowing that, that his ability to, you know, actually put the ball in play has been as good as it has, and he is now finding that power, 
and understanding how to be consistent, I am sure that other teams are thinking long and hard about how to pitch to Bobichet. Uh, much like Brandon Belt, we've seen a run of run of form here from Dalton Varsho that will allow us to be like excited about him again, right? Like, uh, uh, you know, like week, 10 days ago, we're talking about, oh my God, look at what Gabby Moreno and Lourdes Gurriel Jr. are doing in Arizona and what's Dalton Varsho doing here? We're seeing, uh, well, at least an uptick in performance. And, and that's going to allow us again to really, really enjoy the things that he does extraordinarily well. So, you know, he's a couple hitting a couple of home runs of late, but also doing the things on the base paths. Now that he's sort of had that positive regression, what do you appreciate the most about Varsho's game? It's, to me, it's the, it's, it's the power, you know. It's the sort of the effortless power that he has. He went on a, on a, a career-high hitting streak here with, uh, with 10 games. He's never going to be the guy maybe that, that hits for average that's uh, not who Varsho is as a hitter. I was one of the people that said, okay, you know, maybe with – shift restrictions, the fact that, you know, guys can't pull, can't put that extra uh, defender on that side because he's a left-handed hitter. We may see an uptick in his batting average. That has not been the case, but when he's on, he has some effortless power. And when you add that to his defense at left field, this is a very, very valuable guy to have. And, you know, he, he doesn't have to hit cleanup for the Blue Jays. The Blue Jays are set on that front. So when you put show more towards the bottom of that lineup, and he is sort of a power boost before Whit Merrifield comes along, before Kevin Kiermaier comes along, that's a, that's a pretty good piece to have in that lineup. For me, the defense is always going to be sort of the, the calling card, right? It's so cool to watch him play, to watch him play left field. Um, but just the, the, the effortlessness of his power, to me, has been pretty, pretty cool to watch. Well, Julia, Blue Jays got a chance to make it three in a row against the Houston Astros tonight. Jose Barrios and Fran Braval. This will be a great pitching matchup tonight. Uh, enjoy the game. Appreciate you coming on this morning. We'll chat soon. Absolutely. Enjoy your day, guys. Thanks so much. That's Julia Croyd's Blue Jays reporter at MLB.com and our insider that's brought to you by Don Valley North Lexus, where you can expect excellence online and in the showroom. Visit DonValleyNorthLexus.com. Two studs on the mound as the Blue Jays look to make three in a row before a three-game series against the Minnesota Twins that begins Friday night at the Rogers Center. And Pride Weekend will be fun at the ballpark as well. So make sure you get down there early. Had tickets to give away today. I think we'll do one more set tomorrow and hopefully get a chance to go. Uh, and speaking of Pride Weekend, a new Shai Davidi uh, article just dropped on Anthony Bass, who says he's realized, realized sorry, uh, after a meeting with Pride Toronto Executive Director Sherwin Modeste, that he needs to be more accepting. Okay. So I encourage you to check out Shai Davidi's new article. Clearly, this is going to be part of the storyline with Pride Weekend. It's mm-hmm. going to be majority celebration, but after... You know, Anthony Bass did what Anthony Bass did. Uh, that's got to be something that needs to be addressed and talked about as well. Yeah, certainly. That's up on sportsnet.ca right now. Um, as you mentioned, Shai just posted it at 8 a.m. So get a chance to read that um, on our website. Okay, so we got one more guest of the day. The Canadian Open's cooking along. I'm seeing the score leaderboards looking good. Um, feeling good about my picks, but as I said, it's early. Just got to have a little confidence. It's like how I got really excited when I used my new clubs for the first round and then round two felt like. What did I do here? <laughs> I spent how much? <laughs> it's okay. We worked through it. Um, but you get excited because it looks like 
Corey Connors birdied the first hole. He's looking like he's off to a good start. So lots to come. Canadian Open uh, will be there Saturday. So looking forward to that. Uh, one more guest on the Fan Morning Show this morning. Coach Cal, John Calipari, head coach of the Kentucky Wildcats men basketball team. Um, as you know, a legend, 2012 national champion. He's got a lot of former players uh, doing very well in the NBA, including somebody that got a triple-double last night, Kitchener's very own Jamal Murray. We'll chat about that and more and some future picks coming up the draft um, that maybe John can give us a little insight on. And we'll do a baby wake and rake to wrap up the show. So send those picks on 595.9. You got Jay's Astros, Panthers, Golden Knights, Game 3 tonight. And French Open cooks along as well. Maybe you got some head-to-head matchup picks for the Canadian Open as well. We'll do that at the end of the show. But Coach Cal next. Diving deep into Leafs, Raptors, Jays, and NFL. The J.D. Bunkins Podcast. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Final block, fan morning show, Sportsnet 590, The Fan. Justin and Ailish. Uh, your Baby guy, Friday. Baby, it kind of feels like a Real Friday. Friday? Friday. Ooh. That means tomorrow's a bonus Friday for you. But I know it's not because we didn't hear the uh, typical Friday music. That's right. That you got to wait for that for the real Friday. This is a bop, though. Do people still say bop? Mm, only you. Only me. Okay. No. I will accept my L. Is it important to accept L's when L's are handed to you? And in this case, I'm accepting. Okay. Big uh, golfing matchup for us today. We're headed out after the show. Feeling good? Did you hit the range yesterday? No. Mm-hmm. I'm out of my routine. But it didn't help me last time. And you so. can't even blame the smoke because apparently it won't be there. No, that was the, that's what I told myself. Don't want to deal with the smoke. I'd like to get there early enough. Do I enough. need two days of smoke inhalation? Yeah, baby. I need to get there early enough that I can actually putt once before we get to the first green because that was the, my downfall last time. No, we're going to be in a rush. If I three putt one more time. I'm going to throw my putter into the lake. Is there water at this course? Of course there is. Uh, there's probably ah. some sort of water. Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, I, I do think the, of course, the Canadian Open underway mm-hmm. at uh, Oakdale. Um, <laughs> all the reports there are like, yeah, the smoke is not a thing. And the smoke is just everywhere else and like <laughs> canceling all minor sports and recess and all these things. Um, I'm not denying that there's smoke. Of course, we've seen it. But maybe jumping the gun. Someone's either jumping the gun or not caring enough. Mm. It's probably somewhere in in the middle. Uh, but we're seeing two extremes here with professional sport and a golf tournament fully underway with no issues and other people's lives being disrupted. They just canceled a Broadway shows yesterday. But New York, yeah, like, New I, get, I get the New York thing. Like it's it's legitimately scary and yeah. undeniable. That said, Broadway's indoors. We didn't tee fully up, indoors. We didn't tee up tonight's hockey game, by the way. We're just waiting to get Coach Cal on the phone so we can quickly fix sure, that. Sure, why not? Uh, Golden Knights and Florida Panthers. How are we feeling about Florida being back at home? Is that going to give them enough home ice advantage that maybe they can get one here to turn the series around? I don't believe so. I do feel like it's over. I think Ooh. the only question for me is, does Vegas want to win this on home ice? <laughs> the old, hey, you know, half effort game Come four. Come on, you think? I, think? I think full effort game three. But I wouldn't be surprised if there's that subconscious half effort if they're up three nothing. Well, then in the at that point too, home. Florida's trying to like not get swept. You don't want to do that today though. Like if you're Vegas, it's full effort today because mm-hmm. it's two one, and then you have a chance to tie this. Like then you're it's a series, uh, and not to say anyone like 
really, really takes their foot off the gas, but some things do happen subconsciously. So, yeah, I wonder if we're going to get, um, mm-hmm. I wonder if we're going to get a bounce back from Florida. I wonder if Vegas is just way too much, and this is one of these disappointingly lopsided Stanley Cup finals, just like it was last time Florida was in the Stanley Cup final and Colorado beat them down in four games. Wouldn't be all that surprised. Uh, but it really comes down to the performance, I think, of Sergei Borovsky. If, in fact, he's a net, if he gives you a chance to win, then Florida can keep it competitive, but it may not matter. It's kind of like a goaltending battle, isn't it, now? I don't know, is it? <laughs> I it's love, more like... I love pushing the Aiden Hill narrative on you. No, but it's it's not even about Aiden Hill. It's like, it's, is Sergei Bobrovsky just going to give you anything that resembles a winning performance? I mean, it's been two less than stellar games in a row. And it's not just him. But he has a, a, and that's it. It's not like he's letting in five, six goals a night that, and his team's playing lights out. It's a full, yeah, clearing, full thing here. clearing bodies in front of him has been an issue. Uh, but he's been a bit if of an issue. If he could see the puck, he probably would stop some more of these. So. One, 100%. Maybe just 100%. But he was just also stopping everything, and it didn't matter for the previous two and a half rounds. Uh, Matthew Chuck, over under nine and a half penalty minutes tonight. Ooh, that's a good one. That's a good line. I'll say under. Yeah, we'll save the misconduct for yeah, game. Four. He'll be he'll be dialed tonight. He's got a big opportunity. He was the story of the first round, the second round with Bobrovsky. They're head to head, and who's going to be Conn Smythe, whatever. And then now he's been a little bit of story in the wrong way. Boy, the takes of like, oh, Matthew Kachuk, best player in the world, Matthew Kachuk, face of the NHL. No, I don't think those are aging particularly you don't think well. Eh? He can't turn I mean, that around you, you tonight. Gotta, like, I understand. He was third, I think, in the Art Ross, third mm-hmm. in points this year. He's legitimately a brilliant player, but, I mean, he's not on the level of Connor McDavid. Like, we're not even we're not even close. Who was saying he was on the level of Connor? Well, McDavid? if people are saying he's the face of the NHL, that means that Connor McDavid's not the face of the NHL, and that, my friends, is an asinine argument. I think it's because he got a People magazine or a Vogue cover or, you know, he was the face of the playoffs. How about that? I suppose he's having a moment, mm-hmm. but a moment does not equate to you're the face Unless of the NHL. Unless he could turn it around. He could, but again, I, I think this is like the, the shelf life is is far shorter. Like Connor McDavid's going to be the best player in the NHL for a 10-year stretch because mm-hmm. he's that good. Kachuk might have a couple dominant years, and we'll see what happens to his career. Like I just don't think he has the skills to translate to be, A, one of the most dominant players of the NHL for a long time, and B, the face of the NHL. We're working on getting Coach Cal, John Calipari, to join us this morning. Working through that. Um, so we can take some more of your wake and rake picks in as well. But I don't know if you wanted to talk about the Gavrikov signing that was yesterday, if you got a chance to see that at all. You want to get our picks in and then we close yes. the show by tying up the anchor perfect, just because then perfect. we can take John a little longer? Yes, no problem. Uh, Let's get our picks in then. So I jumped around a little bit on this. I'm actually going to take the under in Vegas, Florida. I think it's going to be Florida's best game in the series. I think they have to bounce back. That doesn't mean, though, I think they're just going to overwhelm Vegas. I think mm. this might be a little bit more cautious. I think Vegas I think Vegas is going to win, and I'm going to grab the plus money on them anyway, but I will take the under six minus 110. Ooh, a flat six. Uh, yeah, and if we push, we push. I like that better than a five and a half. I thought it was going to be five and a half. Give me an extra half goal. I'll take the minus or the under and minus 110. Okay, because I'm going with an under as well. So big under day for us. Uh, that's because we're going to shoot under at the golf course today. Oh, uh, 
maybe on one hole if we're lucky. I'm going under in the Astros-Blue Jays game. It's been an under series, except for uh, game one, which we do not speak of anymore in this station. <laughs> uh, great pitching matchup tonight, Fran Valdez and Jose Barrios. I feel like the Blue Jays uh, could make this three in a row, but it'll be, I don't think it'll be explosive night. Uh, those guys are both going to be dialed in on the mound. It'll be great to watch. So under eight, I'll go with the flat eight as well. I won't tease it. So we'll have two opportunities for push, but under eight in the Blue Jays Astros for me was the first thing that I kind of looked at. There's a lot of uh, hit streaks. There's a lot of Bo Bichette love. We can go through the anchor submissions as well, but a lot of picks from Blue Jays. And uh, I think the under is the, the theme of the I day. I wonder if there's a duration line, length of game line. Oh, that's fun. For Chris Bassett moving forward. Like, will it exceed two hours and 25 yeah. minutes? I was just hammering unders. That was really nice. I wonder if people are at the ballpark that felt like, holy crap, I haven't even been able to get out of my seat and get another beer. Do you think you feel cheated? Like, no. let's say you see That's one a, ball game a awesome year. That was an awesome baseball game last night. If you're going to one ball game a year, it lasts two hours, you're not a little disappointed? No. I think that means you've probably seen something good. You've seen some efficient Yeah, I'm not baseball. disappointed either. In fact, I think that's that's my wall. Like, I hit the wall hard after two hours at a baseball game. I'm like, okay. I did think it was interesting that we're still seeing, uh, like, pitch clock violations or, or batter violations, right? Like, it's mid, it's not mid-June yet, but it's June. Just a oh, blip, yeah. maybe like I, a little I, mental I, focus I think lost. Like, yeah, I mean, you kind of just get distracted every now and then and probably just take a little bit too long. You have to be, like, on your toes. You have to be paying attention. Yeah, the clock is ticking. The clock is always ticking. We do, uh, I do think that maybe you'd feel shortchanged if it was a two-hour, three-minute game on a Looney Dogs night. Well, then we'd have to be talking about those records that are constantly being That's set. Right. Like, oh, you shattered the record and the game lasted 33%. Shorter time? Actually, it was their lowest performance on two days ago. Oh. The lowest amount of dogs consumed. <laughs> that wasn't reported as widely. I felt disappointed mm. to come on the radio and mention Tuesday, that on was Wednesday. That, was that the, uh, that was the Gosman start? Yeah. Mm. Only, only 49,477 dogs consumed. Still a big number. The season low. Yeah, the dogs per fan rate was still 1.64. That's all that really matters, right? Like, you can't do anything about attendance. And it wasn't even their lowest attended Looney Dogs game. So, I mean... Okay, so the numbers are people down. People are slowing down per a bit. Per person. But it's okay. Like, you, it's the middle of summer. It was probably hot. And, you know, it's just, like, tough to consume as many nitrates as possible in that time span. Oh, tummy aches up means hot dogs down, I think. Okay, why don't we put together our anchor pick? All right. See where we're at with Coach Cal here. Okay, so we got good morning. Uh, first time Raker here getting my pick in early with Sam Bennett over goals. Sam, the former wow. Park Avenue Public School Panther, I know where this is going, is going to have a big night for his current Panther squad if they look to rebound, and Sam hopes to make his hamlet of Holland Landing happy with a big night tonight. Luke from Holland Landing. I'm trying to find that here. Uh, Sam Bennett, anytime goal. I'm seeing it at 275. Uh, uh, you know, respectfully, probably going to pass on that Come one. Come on. That's uh, <laughs> what you play it. Holland Landing was a, a hamlet of where we used to live, East Gwillimbury. So okay. like we're neighbors. So I have to I have to put some money on the Holland Landing oh, boy. You, you haven't been, I guess, a bit of a dangerous thing to be too excited about Sam Bennett, given the history with the Maple Leafs, and Sam Bennett this year in the playoffs. That's true. But I knew it in my heart. So Luke from Holland Landing, shout out to Here, the hamlets. Here's another plus money play. Uh, Ian, the snowplow driver, Merrifield batting 500. With one home run against mm. Framber Valdez. Plus money plug today. 
on Merrifield to get an RBI at plus 165. Okay, okay. Um, it would defy the logic on your under, so maybe that's not the best play, at least, uh, you know, for the parlay. But in a silo, in a vacuum by itself, maybe Witt gets it done. Middle of the order. Okay, Ron and Jules, who have just been absolutely crushing it. Happy, birth- happy birthday. Happy baby Friday. Somebody's birthday out there, so happy birthday. We went two for two yesterday, so we'll take the same well again. I will take the Golden Knights to win on the money line, and Jules will take Bo to go over bases. He's hit that in four he has four in the last two games. Yeah, Bo, obviously, red hot Bo. So I don't think that that's a wrong direction whatsoever. We put that in our Wake and Rake yesterday. Um, so we could look forward to that again. At least we weren't uh, shut out. Uh, good morning. This is Neil from Newfoundland. A pretty straightforward win yesterday with Rude over Rune. Today he's going with Beatrice Haddad Maya to cover the spread against the vaunted Igas Fiontek. Wow. In the women's semi, Haddad has been playing great on the clay. Beats Fiontek on hard court last summer. He expects Siontek to win the match, but Haddad should be able to cover the big spread of six and a half games, plus 100 for Beatrice Haddad-Maya, plus six and a half. It's too bad the Canadians uh, bowed out pretty early in this tournament, but I'm pretty sure Bianca's right now playing for a doubles championship. Mm. So, I mean, should be probably looking into that, but um, it is it's too bad that we didn't get you know, anyone too far in this French Open because it's one of my favorites to watch. Uh, we'll take a look at what Bianca's up to after we get through these. Uh, morning, Ailish and Justin. The hit streak ends at 25. Thank you, Marcus Semyon, for the extra income. Valdez versus Barrios makes me think it's a pitcher's duel. So I'm going Jays and Astros under eight runs. That's it. Courier Chris at Oakdale Country oh. Club. Oakdale. Oh, what you doing there, Chris? If, if you're listening live, what's the vibe down there? A lot of people down there. It's early on, of course, but... Uh... You know, a lot, of, a lot of golf fans in yeah, the GTA. Yeah, let us know. Uh, so they might be getting the jump start on things. Okay, final one here. Good morning, Corey from Port Hope here. His wake and rake pick today. Is the Orioles money line against the Brewers? Orioles looking to avoid the sweep, so I expect them to come out and play solid today. Just checking out the pitching matchup there between the Orioles and the Brewers. Bradish on the mound for the Oilers. Or Orioles, excuse me. Oilers are back, Minus 120 for the Orioles today. Okay, um, those are our suggestions for the Wake and Rake. So let's go through, pick a parlay piece and put that together. We got two unders, under in hockey, under in baseball. That's where we're at We got the Golden Knights on the money line. What do you, you didn't give your opinion on the, uh, on the game three, game four. I only worry about empty netters and it getting chippy at the end, but I do think my narrative as uh, aligns with yours that the, Panthers will have to give it like they're back at home. You can't, you can't have you go down three nothing. You got give me some sort of home ice boost. Like sunrise was pretty good. They've got the v- Miami vibes going on right now. Messi's coming to town. You got the Heat in the finals. Maybe there's an extra little oomph in this game. So I think that they're going to put their best performance out. I'm still surprised that Vegas is plus money on a game like this after they've been the superior team. But I, I think Florida will give as much fight as they have left. We could also heat check with uh, Neil. At the French Open. Yeah, let's do that. I'm, I'm into that. Yeah? Haddad, plus six and a half. Going against Fiontech? <sighs> and it's at 10, 15 a.m. So, I mean, that's the only thing is like if people okay, are... Okay, let's, let's not then. Okay, let's go golden, golden Knights to win, coupled with the under. All right. That's some plus, plus money on most things here. Get so some plus money into it. Under six in Golden Knights and Panthers, uh, Vegas to win. And under eight in the Houston Astros and Blue Jays is plus 640. Uh, over under nine and a half messy jerseys. Enter Miami messy jerseys at FLA Live tonight. Oh, that's a good question. Um, how many did you say? Nine and a half. Okay, under. They don't make them what? that fast. Yeah, they do. 
You think? You don't think they're selling jerseys? I they got, remember. They got to pay for Messi. You don't think they're getting jerseys out? I remember having telling you this story after the World Cup that the Messi Argentina jersey was sold out worldwide with no for future production date in mind. They could not make them fast enough. It was sold out worldwide. So you think that Inter-Miami pumped out more than 100,000 yesterday and, and 10 of those people just happened to be at the game? I'd be surprised. Okay, so you're taking the under. I'm taking the under, but it's fun, fun thing to ponder. <laughs> yeah, I suppose. I mean, I, I don't understand how you could run out of jerseys. Like, I don't, I don't, is it that hard to manufacture jerseys, put a plate on them, print some numbers? All I'm saying is it it was a worldwide Five shortage for Messi. Yeah. Two I of mean, them are the I, same I, letter, too. I believe you. I believe you, you, you have to, for sure. You don't even have to get five. No, you don't. Um, you only need four. Okay, well, uh, I'm... I, Bianca lost her mixed doubles final this morning. The third set super tie break. That's Neil. Is uh is is there a live event this weekend? Because so they it went because I'm thinking true. about Brooks. Are the P, mm. the peas are in action? I, I think they feel like they need Brooks at this point. So what are they doing? Like what are they up to right now? If you're in the live, I don't even know how you look if there's a live event. Well, you said they were all like drinking me. margaritas and putting their feet up on a beach somewhere, enjoying <laughs> this past week and all the mayhem that's going down. No, at they Oakdale. don't. They don't have a. They don't have a term until June 30th for life <laughs> in Spain. They, they got the month off that they're going to Spain. Yeah, they're they're truly not playing until June 30th in Spain. So the party for Brooks since the PGA Championship will continue all throughout the Stanley Cup final as long as it lasts, for sure. Yeah, it's been uh, interesting. I wonder if, like, so now the rest of this tur- tournament, I don't think, you know, anyone's going to be asked about it mid-tournament. I would hope. Like, if you're there, we're going to... Rory oh. shoots two under today, and you're like, good round, Rory. Were you focused um, at all? Were you distracted by the live PGA news? Like, There'll, is be, there... a, there'll be a little you bit. You think, I think, eh? Oh, yeah. You don't think that there's like a, you draw a line? Also, there's so many people there that how many have actually made their way in front of the media? Like, a lot of Canadians have spoken to the media, of course. Uh, mm-hmm. Rory McIlroy has, of course. But, like, I don't know. When's... Uh... When's Terrell Hatton going to the stage? Is he gonna is That's he gonna true. deal with these questions? The people that haven't been asked about it yet, I'm sure. You hear about that Grayson Murray fella? No, what happened? So Grayson Murray was apparently he's like the 250th ranked golfer or something like that in the world. <laughs> and he was apparently leading part of the charge against Jay Monahan in the very contentious mm-hmm. meeting. Uh, I believe it was Tuesday. Uh and him and Rory had a little exchange, apparently, and Rory said, play better. To Grayson Murray, who's oh. who's complaining apparently about uh, you know what this new deal will mean for yeah. golfers that might be you know two hundred best in the world. And what did he say back to Rory? I think that Rory's going to lose some fans if that's the way he's dealing with things because you're an extension of Monahan. You're like teacher's pet type of stuff. Mm. If you're defending him and attacking others who have real legitimate reason to uh, you know worry about their livelihoods and what the what it might mean for their future career. I mean, like Rory again, as we talked about in the first hour is in a pretty good spot right now where a lot of that money coming in is going to go right into his bank account. But a guy like Grayson Murray's got to, you know, worry about how much of it he's actually going to get. Yeah, I wonder how much this and is going to affect. And the fix is to play better. He's right. Well, Rory's yeah, right. but He's true. I mean, play better and make more money. But still, there's going to be there's there's going to be two camps. You, you mentioned earlier in the show, like there's that 10%, right, of Rory, and he's in that, that in the end this is going to benefit them. But... Like, how do you think, uh, I'm looking at the screen right now, Nick Taylor feels about this, you know? He'd feel a lot better if he uh, outdueled Scotty Scheffler at the Waste Management Open and had his tour card secured, I'm sure. Mm. You know who we didn't talk about at all? Michael Block. 
he's been. Do you know what this this news drop? It's good might for have Block. no, might have been the worst for Michael Block because he's not in the media at all. It's, he's it, benefiting yeah. the least from this because no one's talking about Michael Block. The Michael Block party, the Block party, the Blockheads didn't get a chance to have his moment this week because Liv said, "No, it's our it's our time." So Michael Block, <laughs> he's out there <laughs> imagine you, golfing. You fo- imagine and- you followed Rory up on the podium with Michael Block, and now next to the podium, Michael Block, who <laughs> has no opinion on what's happening with the state of golf and where it's headed, because I he's don't just, even know what time he This might be off. the last time we see Michael Block. I think I think it is, and I wanted to ask you, like, let's say he misses the cut. Um, you think he gets another chance? Like, cause this was his last sponsor exemption, right? I mean, the U S open is next. He's not playing in that. I don't know if he dunks, if he, he shoots 78, 76 uh, today and tomorrow, but dunks, uh, one at the rink hole, he probably buys That's himself. It. If you could bet on one hole for Michael block to birdie, I would find some, well, as way. he said, 150 yards in, he's nails. Holes, would, he'll be at hole zero winning that contest. I would try to find odds on Michael Block birding the rink hole because that's where he's going to shine. I guess he's we made for out. the waste management and for any other shenanigans. So rink hole. I do have one bet that we didn't discuss. Mm. Um, probably too late now, but you can bet individual golfers. I don't think Michael Block was an option, just the top guys. Sorry, Michael Block. Although that would have been a good idea if we're cashing in on Michael Block. Allow us to bet on Michael Block. Uh, but a lot of people just, you know, ran away with him not missing or not making the cut last turn- time out, and that was obviously the nuts. But I bet Rory finishing position over seven oh. as more of a narrative play, given that, okay, he's the odds-on favorite mm-hmm. to win. But if he if things don't go well, if people are asking him, bugging him, if he didn't get any practice time, he only played nine holes, apparently never been on Oakdale before those nine holes, I think there's a decent chance that, you know, he could come top ten, but that doesn't mean he's going to be top seven. I thought that was pretty high. It's like even money. I think it's interesting. We talked to Adam Stanley at seven, so if you missed that, go back on the podcast. Um, the front nine, real hard. Back nine, birdie central. So if you're live betting... Interesting to think like who's mm. already finished their round, who's coming up and has the back nine that they could, you know, they could shoot two, three, four under, right? Front nine seems like it is gritty. We saw some footage where we have it in this, on the background here of the rough and you could not see Rory's ankles. You could barely see his shins. That's how deep he was in <laughs> the weeds, right? So it's interesting. Like, I mean, oh, here's another guy. He's out in. And Rory's starting on the back nine. See, there you go. Interesting perspective when you're trying to do live betting is just see where these guys are at. Um, Michael Block, 145 tee time with Harry Hall. There you go. Do you have any interest in watching or even consuming any Michael Block content in We're going to see him on Saturday. Saturday. Like, we will see him. Oh, if he makes the cut. Ooh. He's got to make a cut before we see him. <laughs> That's <again>. right. <laughs> Forgot about that. There's actually a good chance we do not uh, see him. We might not see Michael Block. We'll hear from him. We'll hear about him. I bet there'll be people. I can't wait for the wrinkle just to come on Monday and talk about the jerseys we see there. There'll be some unique ones. And Saturday's the big jersey day. Yeah, we're going to see some, like, it's going to be, there's some D-gens. We're going to enjoy the experience. There'll be some people out there with Ponikarovsky jerseys. Like, think of the most random jerseys. Oh, you're jersey. thinking everyone's going to come wearing a jersey? Yeah. Is that the move? I think you kind of go a little crazy on that whole. Do are you not? wearing a jersey? No, but if you showed I'm up a in pro. a jersey, I'd be like, "What are you doing?" I won't be. I won't be. But yeah, the wrinkle will be fun. Um, we'll be there Saturday to cover it all. We'll be back on Monday with the jersey updates. But your baby Friday. Let's do the. Let's just recap the wake and rake one more time before we say because goodbye. I, I don't think we're connecting with John Calipari. No, I think that we are not getting John Calipari.
Unless he wants to come on for 30 seconds and say hello. Hey, I'd take it. <laughs> Under- he must be a proud papa every time he turns on the TV. Yeah. So everyone went to Kentucky. We'll get him next week or whenever to, to recap how his Kentucky Wildcats are doing. We had good stuff prepared. We'll get him another time. There's no worries about that. Um, but we'll continue to cover all the great Jamal Murray storylines in the NBA final. Um, our wake and rake was under six goals in the Golden Knights-Panthers game. Golden Knights on the money line. Parlay that up with under eight in the Astros-Blue Jays game. You're plus 625 on your wake and rake today. Barrios on the mound uh, looking to get a three-game winning streak going into the weekend against my Minnesota Twins. Miami on the mind. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I was nope. shocked when you had the the slip of Inter Milan. I was like, "Wow!" Yeah, that was, watching the uh, that's not what I meant Champions to say. League final. <laughs> I was not watching that game. Um, okay, Blue Jays Astros. That's seven p.m. on Sportsnet One, Sportsnet Now, Sportsnet Five Ninety Fan, and streaming on Sportsnet.ca/slash Five Ninety and on the Sportsnet app. And of course, tonight you got the Vegas Golden Knights in the Florida Panthers game three. That's at eight p.m. All of that to come. RBC Canadian Open. Live in action right now. We'll keep looking at the scoreboard. We'll update you tomorrow. Justin and I hitting the links right now. See who's victorious when we come on the Real Friday morning show tomorrow morning on the Family Morning Show. Have a great baby Friday.